I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I hope you're having a fabuloso day. I'm going to put my old man eyes on here. There we are. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. We're going to continue on in Exodus. Yesterday, uh, I spoke a little bit about... Let me get this camera situated here. Yesterday, I got the... Uh, we talked a little bit about signs and wonders because I... I've always been puzzled how Israel could have witnessed so many signs and wonders from God and yet still act the way they did, complaining and and just, oh. And I came to realize that I'm the same way. And I began to think, what what's the purpose of signs and wonders? And the purpose of signs and wonders, to my conclusion right now for the immediate, is not to shape my heart, not to affect my long-term attitudes and uh, morality, if you will. It, I honestly believe signs and wonders and miracles are for the moment. There is a need that needs to be met, and God moves in an extraordinary fashion to meet that need. An old pastor once said, God will use the ordinary unless the extraordinary is called for. So the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles, to page, this is me thinking with my mouth open, the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles and all that, the what I call the uh, extraordinary works of God, the supernatural works, where it seems like things happen out of the natural, um, is to meet a need of the moment my daughter needed to be healed, and she was healed miraculously. I needed my life, me and my family's life spared from a tornado that was bearing down on us. And the tornado lifted up and went over my house. Uh, Israel needed deliverance from Pharaoh. And God showed up and did amazing things. Because and, and and it was to address an immediate need. So, with that in mind, we're going to continue on now. We're on the backside of uh, Moses' last confrontation with Pharaoh. They'd come up to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army was bearing down on them. God put a barrier. He put himself in between Pharaoh and Moses and gave Moses and his people time to cross over the Red Sea, uh, and which they did. And when it got to the other side of the Red Sea, God lifted and Pharaoh started pursuing Moses and the people. 
across the same way that they had gone. And then God told Moses to raise your staff, and the waters folded in on top of the uh, Pharaoh's army, destroying it. And their confrontation with the Pharaoh came to a conclusion. They are now on the other side of the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is destroyed. And now we continue with our story. Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he is hur- diver, driver, yes. Both horse and driver, he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he's hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea in dry land. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. A little note here. Um, in Numbers, we talk a little bit. We find out that uh, Miriam was a prophetess to Israel. Miriam was a sister, and Aaron was a brother of Moses. Other female prophets in the Bible we find out are women like Deborah, Isaiah's wife, Huldah, Noedia, Anna, and Philip's daughters. New Testament and Old Testament, women often fulfilled the roles of prophets. Now, they had the celebration. 
Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled into the desert without finding water, and when they came to Merah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why it's called Merah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we supposed to drink? Again, in reference to what we talked about yesterday, in spite of the signs and wonders and powerful demonstration of, of God, Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron whenever they faced a crisis. Their first instinct is to complain. In reality, however, they were grumbling against the Lord. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Don't know how that works, but uh, I'd be interested to find out. There the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to, a, to, to the test. All right, this is the first time that the Lord gives Israel specific instructions on behavior. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Whew. All right. First of all, I want, I, see, I want to see if maybe we can feel the sand between our toes a little bit in this situation. Israel had come to the edge of the Red Sea, and they could have continued to march north, but the quickest way to get out of Egypt was a cross. Well, of course they couldn't do that. There was the sea in the way. And Pharaoh and his armies were coming down on them. If you have never been in a situation in which you were totally hopeless and helpless to affect the outcome, then you don't know what Israel was feeling like at this moment. The Possibly the mightiest standing army in the known world, trained warriors, was sweeping down. His elite troops, Pharaoh's elite troops, and the rest of his army were coming down on Israel to recapture, to slaughter and to recapture. And... The Israelites were, there was a lot of men, but they're not trained fighters yet. They're not trained warriors. And you can imagine the terror that they felt when they saw Pharaoh's army heading towards them. In my life, there have been several instances where I felt totally hopeless and helpless. One time was in Alaska I was camping with friends and I was sleeping in the downstairs in the uh, bunk downstairs in this A-frame cabin. Now the front of the A-frame cabin was all plexiglass windows and a brown bear, North America's apex predator, if you will, a brown bear had come up on the porch and was snuffling around looking for food. And my friends were upstairs in the second floor and they called out to me, Paige, Look out the window. Now, there was just a, a maybe a, a quarter inch, 
maybe maybe three-eighths of an inch of plexiglass on the front of this A-frame. It's just all, it's just windows, right? And uh, maybe three-eighths of an inch plexiglass between me and this substantial brown bear. And I remember when I woke up and came out of sleep and I'm looking through this plexiglass at this brown bear who was looking back at me. Helpless is a good way to describe that. Terror was a good way to describe me at that moment. And I, I realized at that moment that if that bear had wanted to come after me, three-eighths inch of plexiglass was not going to stop it. Now, this wasn't a huge brown bear, but it was about seven and a half feet. All right, that's that's a, you know, smallish, medium-sized, I guess, a young adult brown bear. And uh, I quickly scuttled up the ladder to the second floor with my friends who were laughing because they thought it was funny. And then this bear stood up. And he was looking in the second story window of that cabin, eyeball to eyeball with us. That put a stop to all the hilarity. But at that moment when I woke up, I felt terror. And I felt totally out of control. Nothing I could do is going to change anything. So I... So that's, I can relate a little bit to what the Israelites were thinking when they saw the Pharaoh's army sweeping down on them. What were they going to do? Well, God put himself between it, and we all know the story. And when they get across and then they see the water fall in and destroy Pharaoh's army, you can imagine the elation and the relief when that tornado came out of the backside of Hurricane Hugo. And... I remember my, I think probably eight-year-old son, maybe, maybe six years old. Can't remember how old he was then. We were all huddled together in the middle of the house. And he said, Daddy, please make it stop. Please make it stop. I've never felt so helpless in all my life. What am I going to do against a tornado? But I remember praying, Lord, your word says, by grace am I saved through faith, and I would be good. That was my exact prayer. And the tornado lifted and went over our house, came down on the other side, and continued on its merry way. Now, up leading up to that moment when the tornado lifted, our doom was certain. I knew I was going to die. I knew my family was going to die. There was nothing I could do. And then God intervened in a powerful way. And I remember my relief and my sense of awe and wonder after that moment, realizing that we had just witnessed a powerful move of God on our behalf. That's what the Israelites were experiencing at this moment. They had gone across on dry land and then watched the sea fold in on Pharaoh and his army and destroy their enemy. Pharaoh was no longer going to be an issue for them. All their trials and tribulations, the subjugation, the enslavement, the torture, the beatings, over. 
at this moment, Israel was free. That's a pretty powerful moment. And that's the song. He's highly exalted. Horse and rider, he's hurled into the sea. He's my God, I'll praise him, I'll exalt him. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. There's This is an incredible song talking about the incredible power and might of God. Your right hand, Lord, majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Israel did nothing. There was nothing that they were prepared to do against the probably one of the greatest armies in the known world. But the Lord destroyed this army on Israel's behalf. The water was piled up. You know, the, the, the natural land bridge there, it's, it's under about 200 meters of water. And on either side, it goes down to like 1,000 meters of water is what I understand. So even though there's a natural land bridge, um, the water still had to be piled up on either side, right? Can you imagine the terror of walking through that and seeing the ocean on either side of you in a wall? I'm wondering if they could still see the waves, if there was still movement of water, if there was like uh, white water, maybe some water, ocean splashing. They, you know, I, I don't, I know that they walked through it, but it had to be incredibly, incredibly frightening. This isn't just a walk in the park. God split the waters and told them to walk through it. That had to have been unnerving. Can you imagine being the first few people in that crowd from Israel to step out in that dry land and walk? Can you imagine looking from side to side and up on both sides and seeing this wall of water? Never having seen anything like that before, you don't know if it's going to cave in on you or not, but you know you don't have a choice. Pharaoh's army is behind you. You have to hightail it through. That doesn't mean they walked through with incredible confidence. I would have been scared to death. But what are you going to do? You're going to wait for Pharaoh to come and destroy you? Or are you going to take a chance that this miracle is going to stand up? Hmm. Incredible time. And then when they get through, the water covered them and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Well, he had showed all the gods of Egypt, didn't he? And now he destroyed the army of perhaps their most prominent god, Pharaoh. They destroyed Pharaoh's army. Hmm. Then they're talking about the nations are going to be visiting Philistia, Philistines, all the ites. (laughs) Um, It's going to be stunning what's going to happen. And they feel like they can conquer the world. They can do everything because they have just witnessed the power of God again on their behalf. Then they get to the place where there's some water and the water's bitter. So what do they do? They grumble. What are we supposed to drink? People grumbled against Moses. What are we supposed to drink? 
Moses cried out to the Lord. And basically he tells them, he tells Moses, find a piece of wood, throw it in the water. Made it so the water was palatable so they could drink. Um, And God says something very interesting. He gives them their very first instruction. Their first instruction wasn't the Ten Commandments. But he's setting them up for that. Because he says here, if you listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you, you do what's right in my eyes. You pay attention to my commands and keep my decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Pay attention. Do what's right. Kind of sounds like James, doesn't it? You say you have faith. Oh, that's good. You know what? I show you my faith by what I do. A converted man or woman displays their faith day in and day out by how they act, how they behave. We covered this in the New Testament. Jesus is asked, uh, what's the greatest commandment? So that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these, all the laws hang. If you are loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind and loving your neighbors yourself, as one famous preacher said once, if I'm loving my neighbor, I'm not going to steal his cow. If you focus on loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind and loving your neighbors yourself, you're going to do what God wants Israel to do here. Do what's right in his eyes. Pay attention to his commands. Keep his decrees. If you are loving God and loving your neighbor, this stuff's going to be a byproduct of that. So we don't have to memorize 18,000 commands and and uh, uh, we, we just have to focus on how do I love God more? How do I show God my allegiance and my devotion? Well, gosh, the basic Christian disciplines, prayer, reading the Bible, and worship. Fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters. And then loving your neighbor yourself. Who's your neighbor? Whoever is in need and is within your circle of influence. Love God. Love your neighbor. And you're going to do what God wants Israel to do. (sighs) It's a good place to stop. I am... I'm impressed by God to think upon the times of my life when I felt incredibly helpless, without power, without influence. When I lost my job, I was without influence. I was powerless. I'm not going to say they were unjust in firing me. There was reason for it. Not because I did anything ugly or bad or broke any rules, but Um, someday I'll tell that whole story. But after that moment, I was powerless and I could not do anything about it. And I went through the darkest period of my life. I walked through the darkest valley I've ever walked through as a man, as a husband, and as a father. And during that time, there were moments of complete and total terror and helplessness. It's only then, against that dark 
dark backdrop of despair where the goodness of God shows up and it shines as bright as a thousand watt light bulb. I saw God and met God in a powerful new way as a result of that incident. When the tornado was bearing down on us, I, you better believe I felt the presence of God and was in awe of the power of God when that tornado lifted and went over our house and we were preserved. And I just remember again, I hear my son's words in my ears. Daddy, please make it stop. Please make it stop. God made it stop. God saved us. So I can identify with this song. This song of victory, the song of power. And then after it's all said and done, they're back to their complaining selves. Unfortunately, I can identify with that as well. We'll be talking more about that. But until then, this is Paige. Here's my coffee. I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You know, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. My thoughts shouldn't be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself. Have a great day. Bye-bye.